Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. The Andrew Luck decision is front and center. We have great answers to the questions of the day. To any of Luck's critics, and there are some, make good points. Well, when Dud Gottlieb called out Andrew Luck and millennials everywhere, retiring because of rehabbing is too hard. That's the most millennial thing ever, Gottlieb said. Troy Aikman criticized the criticism. Former Cowboys quarterback who had his own share of medical ailments said that is total BS, Doug. What qualifies you to decide how someone should live their life? Aikman went back. Dockich and Gottlieb had their defenders while criticizing Luck. Aikman had even more defenders while standing up for Andrew Luck. Did any of Luck's critics make good points? And the broader question, what's the most shocking retirement you recall in your life as a sports fan? Sandy Koufax in baseball, Jim Brown in the NFL, two of the all-time greats back in the 1960s did similarly shock the world with their at-a-young-age retirement, stepping away from games that they dominated. Andrew Luck, 29 years old, comeback player of the year last year. Lots of injuries prior to that and after that, in the midst of that five-year, $123 million contract extension. Bill Barnwell of ESPN has a great article on this. Bottom line is, 29-year-old quarterbacks in their prime, coming off the Pro Bowl, they just simply do not get up and leave. That's how truly one of a kind this Andrew Lux prize news of the weekend is. You can chime in with other examples beyond, beyond Koufax and Brown or a little bit more recently Bjorn Borg in tennis retiring at 26. You have the Magic Johnson retirement part one after the HIV diagnosis, the Michael Jordan retirement part one. He did come back later in 1993. That was, remember, the year his dad was killed and the year before he signed to play minor league baseball for a while. Michael did return. Magic did return. Some of the others did as well. But Sandy Koufax and those guys, when they said goodbye, that was it in football. Rob Gronkowski, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, when they said goodbye, that was it. Andrew Luck, we'll see. But he sounds like a man after making what he called the hardest decision of his life. Sounds like a guy who will not be back. I promise, as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Those of you who, rather than wanting to be knee-jerk, angry, and critical, and just taking your shots at Andrew Luck because whatever, your grandpa worked in the coal mines and he would have never quit on his team that way or he'd, he'd be tougher than this. Those of you who want to hear more, from Andrew Luck about what he called the most the whole the hardest decision of his life. I have, I believe, a lesson in what he describes as the favorite book he's ever read. His favorite. Now, this is a guy who has a book club. Again, not many pro athletes I know have book clubs of their own. But as part of that book club and as a guy who has lived internationally as a child with his family, Andrew Luck chose an international book that I happen to be familiar with because it was written by a Frenchman. Uh, Andrew Luck, by the way, lived in places like London and other European cities as a child, so he is truly someone with a worldly perspective to a degree. It just so happens that Andrew Luck's favorite book is one that I had to read as someone whose second language is French. I know we live in a country where, Darren, I bet, I know your second language is Spanish, right? Right. I don't know the percentages exactly on this, but I'd be willing to bet the majority of Americans, if they have a second language, the majority would be Spanish as a second language. 
Yeah, I'm probably. sure there's a handful of, you know, Russian or Mandarin Chinese or Italian. Well, there are extended members of the Glenn family who do speak Italian. My mom being adopted into an off-the-boat style Italian family. I remember as a kid my grandmom speaking Italian in the house and otherwise. My second language is French, so now I have clearly a deep personal connection because I read the same book that Andrew Luck describes as his favorite book ever. Let's go to Lee and some phone calls, and then I'll elaborate. If there's anybody else in the world of sports radio who has this connection to Andrew Luck, I'll be impressed. We're all talking about Andrew today for obvious reasons. This is a wrinkle that I think you'd be interested in. And again, those of you who are open-minded, he's a quitter, not you folks. Those of you who are open-minded about the details of this surprise announcement, maybe open your mind, open your heart a little bit. See if you can try to put yourself in another person's shoes. That's what good people do before they go on the attack. Sometimes when you listen to the rest of the story, it makes you back off attack mode. At least, again, if you're a good person and willing to consider such things. Lee, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, Lee, what's hey, going hi, on? You're, hey, you're... Thanks so much. Uh, I wanted to thank you for a couple things. First, uh, that was a great and subtle Caddyshack reference uh, that you gave a little <laughs> bit earlier. <laughs> you know, but, uh, when, when you don't call it out, it makes it that much better. Oh, it means, really it means so much to uh, me that you noticed that subtle little drop in there. Well done. <laughs> Also, uh, didn't know the Jim Brown story about uh, the Dirty Dozen, so that's really, really interesting. Cool. So just two quick heads up and thanks on that. Cool. Uh, on the Andrew Luck story, the thing I guess I'm – it's really striking me is people who are talking about, you know, his possibility of coming back. And would I be wrong that they own his rights through the remainder of his contract if he decided to unretire? I believe that is correct. Um, actually, he was put on some kind of special list today. My understanding, and, and I would double-check this if I were, say, writing an article, but since you asked about it, I'm going to give you what I read earlier, and then we'll double-check it during the break. My understanding is that on this particular list where Andrew Luck was put, he would have to pass through waivers to be reactivated by the Indianapolis Colts. I think they make the rules that way. For salary cap reasons, they don't want any shenanigans where, where you like you convince a guy to sort of kind of retire even though it's really just for saving money reasons. So it's not as simple as Andrew changing his mind later and automatically returning to the Colts. That's my early read on it. We do know, by the way, that the owner, Jim Ursay, could have contractually demanded $25 million to be returned to him by Andrew Luck. In other words, when you sign a signing bonus at the beginning of a five-year deal, that's money spread over five years for salary cap purposes, but you can get, you can negotiate to get all $25 million up front or whatever the number is. When you leave midstream unexpectedly, you are contractually obligated to give a chunk of that signing bonus back. He even took $12 million in a roster bonus earlier this calendar year, which is essentially – basically saying as long as you're still around and playing for us you get a 12 million dollar bonus well now he's not still around and playing for you so Jim Ursay had the right to demand 25 million dollars be returned and because of his respect for Andrew Luck he said and they signed the papers he didn't just say it verbally they signed a settlement that says Andrew Luck gets to keep that 25 million and doesn't owe the Colts a dime Jim Irsay did not have to do that. I see it as a reflection of how much he respects Andrew Luck. But go ahead with the, the rest of your point. Well, I guess the thing was, 
the booing off the field really struck me as, you know, and having met Andrew briefly a couple of years ago, he's a very cerebral, you know, uh, thoughtful he is. guy. He is. I cannot imagine him walking back on the field for the Colts after getting booed at what yeah. had to be one of the toughest moments for him ever. I mean, he it, heard it. He said he heard it in the press interview afterwards. Yeah, he said it, it hurt. He said it hurt. Now, I'll tell you this, and you raise a very interesting point. Again, Andrew Luck, to me, doesn't sound like a guy who's likely to return. I mean, four years of this physical toll, as he called it, also. When he says mental and emotional toll, a lot of people out there roll their eyes. The Andrew Luck critics today can't hear from a multi-million dollar athlete emotional and mental toll when they're playing a sport that they love. They just, again, they flash back to grandpa in the coal mine and, and they live in a relative world. They're, they're not willing to give the benefit of the doubt to a fellow human being because that person happens to be rich. He went through the lacerated kidney he went through the cracked ribs he went through a concussion at least one documented he went through these repeated leg calf now they're calling it a combination leg ankle calf injury whatever he's the guy who tore up his shoulder and missed an entire season as a result playing through that shoulder problem for two other years I'm not impressed by the short-sighted people who are trying to draw the comparison to grandpa the coal miner who, you know, might have died of black lung because he didn't quit on his teammates. Like, is, is that really the end that you're looking for? I mean, Grandpa died of black lung, and Grandpa may not have had choices that could have made. Now, I feel bad for Grandpa, but if Andrew Luck has earned his way to a place in life where he has choices that most of us don't have, I don't know what it's like to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I do know how good it feels to go from being poor, which I was for most of my 20s, to having at least a nest egg where people can't boss me around. I've owned my own company for a long time. I could leave any job at any time and not be fearful of feeding my kids or paying the rent. There's a great power to that. But he shouldn't apologize for reaching a stage of life where he has the ability to make these discretionary calls, right? Why, why are you mad? Well, not you, Joe, uh, Lee, but why, why, are somebody, why is somebody mad at Andrew Luck for basically, as Troy Aikman called out Doug Gottlieb for, for, for making a decision that he sees as in his best interests. I've known, going to Lee's point, I have known the high IQ person or, or people like you just described, Andrew Luck. I have known the highly intellectual person who would say, you know what, it was just a bunch of fans who were shocked by the news and they're not representative of Colts Nation, and I'm not going to hold the whole fan base accountable for how they reacted for 30 seconds as I was walking off the field last night. I've known other high IQ people who would do exactly what Lee is suggesting and say, if I ever came back, it ain't going to be for that franchise. I truly gave my body to the Indianapolis Colts, and Jim Irsay clearly sees that I did. He's letting me keep the extra $25 million. But these folks are cheap-shotting me as, as I'm in the process of making. I could see the high IQ guy go either way on that is my bottom line. I, I would lean toward Andrew Luck having the bigger perspective and say, I'm not going to hold Jim Irsay accountable for what some thousands of Colts fans said on one night when they looked at their smartphone, smartphones last night and were shocked, as the rest of us were, that, that uh, Andrew Luck was – 
retiring at 29 years old after being the, uh, the comeback player of the year in the NFL. So it's an interesting question, and we'll double down and look at how the rules work. You know, when you sign your retirement papers, there are repercussions, right? Some of our greatest shocking retirement examples of the day, Magic Johnson did come back and play for the Lakers. Michael Jordan did come back and play and win three more titles for the Chicago Bulls. In these team sports, there are repercussions to filling out retirement papers for the player, and there are repercussions for what list you're put on. We've heard all of, we've all heard of the pup list, right? The physically unable to perform list. Well, there's, you know, the commissioner's exempt list and then there's this other list. I'll find the name of the Andrew Luck list and make sure everybody knows how those rules work just in case Andrew Luck at some point down the road becomes one of those famous athletes who retired and then unretired. If you were a boxer, we would just like assume that that's going to be the case. It happens routinely like with all the best boxers almost. Michael and Magic and others, examples from the NBA. I haven't seen much of the unretiring in the NFL, but it did just happen. The Eagles' backup quarterback came out of retirement when the Eagles had injury problems behind Carson Wentz. So it's not unprecedented. Andrew Luck is a new husband, got married earlier this year. Andrew Luck is about to become a father for the first time. I'm convinced that these things matter in his decision-making process. I think anybody who's ever gotten married or become a parent for the first time can identify. It changes your perspective on things, especially the parenthood part. I mean, marriage to a degree, parenthood, absolutely, positively, probably the biggest jolt of my entire adult life. I mean, I used to drive fast, and I stopped driving fast so often when I became a dad. It's like, wow, there's another person. Maria would be fine without me. Like, I got married to the lovely and talented Maria. She's like bionic. She's a superhero. I'm just like the circus sideshow. I'm just the husband. I'm just the sports guy. Maria would be fine without me. You bring a new life into this world, and you see they, they truly cannot take care of themselves, period. Your existence matters. Hopefully, you're a good influence on that person that you helped create and brought into this world. Andrew Luck is going through those emotions and a brand new husband emotions and four years of debilitating injury emotions. And of course, the feeling that you're letting down your teammates or your owner, Jim Ursay, or your fans, the ones that might not have been cursing you last night. Maybe they were crying, feeling bad for you, feeling bad for them for different reasons. You know, they had money on the Colts to make the Super Bowl, and that just took a turn for the worse. But maybe they felt bad for you because. They have an open mind. They have an open heart. They have been at a difficult fork in the road of life. And Andrew Luck called it the hardest decision of his life. I believe him when he says that. That's why I give him a long leash, and that's why I think about these matters of perspective. I'll give you more perspective. Andrew Luck's favorite book happens to be one that I know well, and I think it sheds some light on why he chose this fork in the road at that hardest decision of his life. More on that story with more of your best and worst of the weekend and more of your answers to our question of the day. What is the most shocking retirement you call, recall in your life as a sports fan? And do any of Luck's critics make good points? Or is it really just haters going to hate? We got plenty of that in sports and otherwise right now in our great country. Maybe it's a little bit more of that. I do think the Colts have miscommunicated with their own fan base for much of the last decade. There has been sometimes outright lies about Andrew Luck's outlook medically. And I think the rabid angry Colts fans, and even like a Dan Dockich based in Indiana, I think they're mad about that part of this equation, 
Not that Andrew Luck needed to be transparent with everybody about how he's been feeling over these last four years, but more so that the Colts should not imply or state that Luck's going to play in years where, for example, in 2017, he didn't play at all. At some point, you're being fraudulent with your own fan base, even, of course, as you do have privacy requirements when it comes to answering questions about your player's medical status. In the NFL, there are avenues to share some information. And when you spend an entire offseason saying, Andrew's our guy, Andrew's our guy, Andrew's our guy, don't worry about it, he'll be fine, and then he doesn't play in 2017, you get accused of fraud. You get accused of lying to your paying customers, and that's something that is worthy of criticism. I just don't see why anybody would lay that criticism at Andrew Luck's feet. 1-800-849-2761. Alton and Cedar Grove on the other side. Your phone calls, too. Why is Aaron Judge the Yankee slugger in best of the weekend? How did the San Diego Padres get best of the weekend votes by using the Sweet Caroline song on their video screen karaoke between innings contest. It's a creative best of the weekend, another from the baseball world. More of those stories, more on the Andrew Luck retirement with your calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on the David Glenn Show. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance, and I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances, and I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. One thing I promised, and then we'll get to your phone calls, best and worst of the weekend, the Andrew Luck retirement. Cam Newton is back with the Panthers. He's working with trainers today on the side, so not back to football per se. But there's no need for a search for a backup quarterback. Cam will be fine at some point soon. He is expected still to get the start against the L.A. Rams on September 8th in the regular season opener. The Colts now have Jacoby Brissett, the former state star, as their starter. And remember, when Luck missed the entire 2017 season, Brissett was that guy. He didn't have a great year. He was among the lower-ranked starting QBs in you know, QBR and some of the other numbers, whether you like them or not. It was not a vintage year for Jacoby Brissett, but he has done some good things as Tom Brady's backup in New England for a while, as Andrew Luck's backup in Indianapolis. Who will be Jacoby Brissett's backup now that Andrew Luck has shocked the world by retiring last night? That's another question. Has Alton and Cedar Grove wondering whether the Colts would go the Colin Kaepernick route. I have to leave that on the back burner because I promised one thing related to a personal connection of sorts that I have with Andrew Luck. One of the most important lessons that I believe that I have learned in my entire life from my own parents in childhood, reinforced through my education, high school, college, law school, and beyond, and it is beaten like a drum into you when you, for example, go to a highly regarded journalism school or you go to a highly regarded law school, fairness, objectivity, follow the evidence, don't make false assumptions, be aware of what you might not know before casting that first stone. I thought of all these things when it comes to the Andrew Luck story because I was reminded of this life lesson, which really boils down to it takes time and effort to be informed about anything. You know, even if you're a genius, 
When something new comes along, you're not informed until you spend the time and spend the effort. Lazy people don't do such things. Intellectually lazy offer a Folks offer opinions, often angry, mean-spirited ones, without doing the legwork. I have no respect for such people. Whether If you want to criticize Andrew Luck after immersing yourself in the situation, after putting yourself in his shoes, we might end up disagreeing, but I'll at least respect the road you took to get there. Too many people in sports and otherwise are throwing those angry, mean-spirited, cheap-shot stones without doing their homework. It takes time and effort to be informed. It actually takes time and effort to be fair, just a fair-minded human being. Yes, no matter how smart you are, no matter how accomplished you are, no matter how successful you are, or not, even if you lack those things, you can be a fair-minded person, but only if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to spend the time. And Andrew Luck's bigger picture story, at a minimum, requires you to understand the four years of the injury cycle he described. The one year of being away from football entirely. When we have dozens and dozens of current and former athletes telling us that they suffer depression-like symptoms, you can either run to your overprotective shell and say, how dare they be human when they're getting paid so much money to play a game they love when we're scraping to get by. Now, they didn't say all that. They just were sharing a human emotion. A game I love was taken away from me. I wasn't sure I'd ever be able to play it again. Panthers wide receiver Torrey Smith stepped up for Andrew Luck with this exact sentiment. I've been there, man. Yes, I I play a game I love. Yes, I'm happy doing it. Yes, I realize how fortunate I am. Yes, though, it was taken away. I was hurt. And there is, they don't all describe it as depression, a medical term. But many, many have described it as knocking them off their pedestal, putting them in a dark place, not being sure what's next. And it's not always about, well, you play a game, well, you have millions in the bank. Yeah, those are nice things to have. That's part of life as well. Some have more, some have less, some have very little. But being in a depressive-like state is real too. And one shouldn't come at the expense of the other. I'm going to kick you while you're down. I'm going to hammer you over a very personal decision that you described as the hardest decision of your life. At the very least, spend the time, do the homework. At the very least, know the injury history. Peel the onion a little bit more, you find out that he got married earlier this year to his Stanford sweetheart of almost a decade ago. You find out, and again, this is the most impactful to me. I look through one set of eyes. You all have your own set. I've been a parent. It's one of the great joys of my life, one of the great challenges of my life. I don't believe I'll ever do anything more important than raising Anthony and Avery. Hopefully, I'm a good husband. Hopefully, I'm a good son and brother. Hopefully, I'm a good boss, all those things. Hopefully, I'm occasionally a good sports radio host. I am convinced that I will never do anything more important than mentoring my own children and, to a degree, even other people professionally and personally. I think that's the most important thing that most of us do as human beings. So Andrew Luck found out two months ago, I think he shared the news publicly, I'm going to be a dad for the first time with my new wife, uh, also an athlete at Stanford back in the day. All these are peeling the onion aspects that I would think, if you haven't sold your soul, would lead you to just give Andrew Luck a little bit more wiggle room, a little bit more benefit of the doubt. While he's going through these serious health scares, as he's becoming a dad for the first time, as he's trying to be a good husband, 
as somebody with lots of money in the bank, which gives them the ability to make these kinds of life decisions. One more layer that I wouldn't expect you to know. I may be the only person who does know this, given that I speak French. And one of what Andrew Luck circles, again, he's a, he, he has his own book club in the NFL. Book club. Not sure I've ever uttered that phrase with an NFL football player. Andrew Luck has always been in teammates' ears, Stanford and the Colts, about the latest book he's read or he's really into architecture. He will bend your ear about the architecture in this city that you, the Colts, are about to visit next. I don't know what percentage of his, of his teammates are interested in such architecture observations, but that's another thing that his colleagues talk about. And he's a voracious reader dating back to childhood, again, part of which he spent growing up in Europe, multidimensional, right, diverse, a worldview rather than a narrow view that maybe you could – could possibly have if you've never left your own neighborhood or your own community somewhere here in North Carolina or somewhere else. It's just a different view of the world, a different way of thinking. And it does happen, in my experience, more often with those who have been around the world or had parents who lived in Europe for a while or, in his case, was raised with a certain standard of living and now, of course, has hundreds of millions of dollars of his own, again, making it less complicated to retire at the age of 29 and walk away from what the owner of the Colts, Jim Irsay, described as a half a billion dollars in future earnings. That's not his contract that he walked away from. Irsay is just sort of speculating, hey, if he played another 10 years, at an average of, whatever, $20 million a year, there's $200 million. And he makes a lot of money with those Nike and other endorsements. That's hundreds of millions more. Jim Irsay estimates that Andrew Luck's retirement decision will cost him half a billion with a B dollars. So, again, you want to beat him up because he's not tough enough for you or he's quitting on her teammates or he's bailing at the wrong place on the calendar. Take it within a broader perspective, including this extra layer that I had an appreciation for because I read the same book. I don't know if Andrew Luck speaks French as I do. Darren, your second language would be Spanish, as is the case with most Americans who have a second language. Sadly, I chose a less useful in international (laughs) commerce language. I'm pretty good at French. I was the number one French student at Salesianum High School in Wilmington, Delaware. Even studied in college and won another, another award there. So to any degree that I botch English, here at the David Glenn Show, I always have my second-rate French to fall back upon. (laughs) There's a famous book written by a Frenchman called Le Papillon, all right? Andrew Luck has circled this book as his favorite ever. Voracious reader, 29 years old. He's been reading, assumedly, since early childhood, and he's been reading big boy books For over a decade, this is his number one book or so he declared in an interview not too long ago. And it happens to be a book that I know. Le Papillon. That ring a bell? You got any any secondary French beyond your Spanish? No, none. As a matter of fact, the phonetics, I'm I'm totally unaware of. Uh, how would you spell the word that you just said? Thank you for speaking on behalf of the audience because <laughs> I imagine virtually everybody. What would a fraction of 1% of our audience have French as a second language? It can't be. It, it can't, can't be, be that large. many. Uh, P-A-P-I-L-L-O-N. Okay. So, like, you know, my Philly relatives would just say, hey, uh, Papillon, right? <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, some book, uh, Papillon, Luck says he likes it. 
right? So it's, it's hey, hey, I mean, you got you to gotta be a little bit different when you're, you're channeling your inner French, man. <laughs> it's papillon, papillon. You don't even hear the N at the end. Papillon. I feel like part caveman when I say that, right? Papillon. It's papillon, papillon. You could do this. The author's first name, we would say in English, Henry. You want to take a chance at the, the it's, French? It's Henri. Aha! You don't even hear the H, right? There's no Henry. It's my grandpa's name. It's Henri. What the heck do the French do with the H, man? <laughs> it's Henri. Henri. So this guy's name is Henri Carrière. And the book is called Le Papillon. All right? Andrew Luck's favorite book ever. The long story short is that this guy wrote an autobiography so successful in the French language that in the 1970s and afterward they reprinted it, I think in like a dozen other languages, but I know it was also reprinted in English. As good as my French might be, I could not make it through Le Papillon in French, man. My head hurts just even thinking about trying that. If you're good enough in your second language to read a thick book in that language, then, then you're getting, to me, closer to fluency. I won those French awards. I'm not reading thick books. I can communicate a little bit in French. I could read like a pamphlet in French. I I'm going to be reaching for the Advil before the end of the first chapter if I've got to read a book in French. So I read Le Papillon in English, as did Andrew Luck. Although critics, and Henri Carrière had them as well, Darren, although the critics say that it's not perfectly autobiographical, they say that this guy exaggerated some things and claimed other things that couldn't even possibly be historically true. It did become this best-selling book in France and to a degree around the world. It is a 14-year period after which he was wrongfully, committed, wrongfully convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison. So back then, you probably know this, being the astute Emory and Henry grad that you are, back then a lot of the bigger countries would have, like, they would just take over some smaller, less developed country and use it as their prison. Right. Like when we were in London, <laughs> England, the, the, uh, they were taking shots at the Australians left and right. Like you'd be in a little tourist huh. group. I mean, a, a good-natured poke yeah, in the ribs. Sure. Because England used to use Australia as a penal colony. <laughs> like, they didn't okay. want to fill up English prisons, so for a while, they just took over Australia. Yeah, send all the inmates there. A lot of room in Australia. You know, we'll kind of reign colonialism style over them from afar. And so they took some good-natured shots at the Australians, you know, implying they're all criminals, and it's nice, <laughs> nice of them to visit the United Kingdom. So anyway, back then, France had a penal colony in a nation called Guyana, French Guyana. So this guy wrongfully committed of murder, of murder, sentenced to life in prison, and then sent to this prison in Guyana. You know, not halfway around the world, but a long, long way from terra firma on French soil. <laughs> this guy escapes and then, like, goes to some village as somebody on the run and, like, befriends people, like, teaches them how to fish or do this or that. Very, very hands-on, very creative, very charismatic. So he escaped from prison in Guyana, you know, gets on a boat not knowing where he's going, lands somewhere and befriends the villagers and just hangs out until word gets around, and then this guy is there, and then he's caught again and re-imprisoned. 
But in his time in the village, man, like seriously, he might have had two girlfriends and like had children with both <laughs> and been the love of the villagers and the people he taught to fish, right? But then word gets around. I don't know how this worked. This is from 80 or 90 years ago. They find him, they capture him, and they put him back in prison. So it's just one cycle after another. Andrew Luck has his injury, rehabilitation, mental and emotional toll, play again, get hurt again, and start all over cycle. Henri Carrier has this <laughs> wrongfully convicted, sentenced to prison, behind bars, creatively manipulate your own escape. You're on the run. You're the man of the hour, man. They used to like him where he would go, not knowing his background. He would leave a good impression there, then his past would catch up to him, and he'd be back into prison. He'd escape again and go through the same cycle over and over and over. This guy's nickname came to be Le Papillon. And I've saved this for the end just for you, Darren. In English, Le Papillon would be the butterfly. This man... Henri Carrier, to whatever degree he exaggerated his own life, and again, he has his critics, everybody agrees that he led this amazing life and put it into that book form, Le Papillon. He had a huge tattoo of a butterfly, and hence the nickname, and he essentially lived like a butterfly. In the course of being imprisoned and then not, and then imprisoned and then not, and actually being a functioning, contributing member of society, and then caught and rejailed for something you claim you didn't even do in the first place. I mean, you got to admit, that's an unforgettable story. It clearly left an impression on Andrew Luck, who, recent interview, calls Le Papillon the best book he's ever read. If you have a little butterfly in you, as I think this is why Andrew Luck took so much away from that book, Le Papillon, Butterfly. And you are going through this emotional cycle in 2015 through the shoulder injury, in 2016 through the shoulder injury, in 2017 you're not even healthy enough to play. Last year you're comeback player of the year, and then this year you think months ago you're just going to get back to your comeback player of the year ways but you have the ankle, the calf, the leg, the recurrent injuries. And it's more rehab and it's not responding. And you're 29 and your body doesn't react to injury the way it did when you were 18 or 20. And he had injuries at Stanford. Your body reacted one way at 18, 20, 22, 24. And now it's just driving you crazy at 27, 28, and 29. And you get married earlier this calendar year. And you and your wife find out you're about to have your first child. If you have a lot of butterfly in you, if you grew up in a family that moved around the world, various cities in the United States, but also London and some of the most diverse, amazing, wonderful, eye-opening, high-culture cities in Europe, which is part of Andrew Luck's childhood. If you have that background and that's your favorite book and you have the money that allows you to make a step-away decision, even as a pro bowler, even in your prime at 29, if you have enough butterfly in you, and that book left that impression in that way. Wouldn't you almost expect Andrew Luck, now that you know all of that, and maybe you didn't if you were booing at the Colts game last night. I don't think that makes you a bad person. I think it's a good idea to practice spending time, spending effort to look into more of the details, to see if your knee-jerk, up-front, in-the-moment, angry reaction 
can be overcome as you do your homework, as you spend time and effort to learn more about a, a big decision in somebody's life that in all likelihood you don't know personally. I've never been a fan of like the mob mentality, the over-emotional, angry reaction based on a lack of information or, or no appreciation at all for nuance or for details. We're really in a sad place as a country when it comes to such things. Those who race to that end of the spectrum without sufficient information or evidence or detail, and certainly without a heart or without the willingness to listen to the details. I think good people don't, they avoid the toddler style approach to things. They, they take a more open-minded, open-hearted approach to things. Thoughtfulness is always better than ignorance, right? Perspective is always better than knee-jerk. And I think Andrew Luck's story and the initial angry reaction to that by people that are mostly uninformed or angry about something in life and just need to take it out on a rich athlete that can afford to make decisions that maybe they can't afford to make in their own lives, there's a lot of pent-up resentment and anger and hate in all of that. And, and I just think virtually everybody I know can be better if they're willing to spend the time and the effort to be informed and to be fair. 1-800-849-2761. Le Papillon, the butterfly, loved by, among others, that Andrew Luck guy's Favorite book ever. You didn't get that anywhere else the day after Andrew Luck shocked the world by retiring. Last chance for phone calls is on the other side. 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four ties, <laughs> not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. One thing I promised, why is Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees on the best of the weekend list? Well, he did hit a home run in each of the three games against the Dodgers as New York took two of three from L.A. in L.A. in what some consider a likely preview of this year's World Series. But beyond that, and credit to the Yankees, they've had a lot of injury problems. I do think the Dodgers are the best of the NL. Not uncatchable, but they clearly are the best as we speak and have the best body of work. Yankees still have to deal with the Astros and others in the AL. But Aaron Judge not only had those three home runs in three games to help two victories for New York, the slugger promised a fan, happened to be a dad of a colleague, so the dad of a Yankees teammate, bullpen catcher, that he doesn't see all that often but knows and looks forward to seeing whenever the Yankees are on the West Coast. They had exchanged conversation earlier in the day, and Aaron Judge says he really tries to avoid doing this, whether it's, you know, the proverbial sick kid in the hospital. Will you hit a home run for me today, Aaron? Well, I'll try, kid, but, you know, Kershaw's throwing 96 out here, you know. He actually got Kershaw for one of those home runs this weekend, and the dad of his, of his colleague asked for a home run, or I think didn't even ask. Older guys don't usually ask. Aaron Judge just said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, I'm going to hit one for you tonight. And sure enough, with dad in attendance, he hit another home run against the Dodgers. So that's how Aaron Judge made best of the weekend. How did Urban Meyer make worst of the weekend? That just came in. We did briefly explain it earlier. He was at the Gators' win over the Hurricanes of Miami. 
He was wearing a Gators logo golf shirt. And Urban Meyer, in case you didn't know, is still teaching a class at Ohio State and collecting paychecks from the Buckeyes. So we all know he coached at Florida. He won the national title at Florida. So you know the background there. But some Buckeyes fans voted him worst of the weekend for wearing that shirt. 1-800-849-2761. Let's go to Alton and Cedar Grove. I wonder if this will become a bigger issue. Alton, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Great to talk to you again, David, and I love the uh, story. I, I do know how to pronounce Papillon, even though I was one of the worst French students. <laughs> well done. The <laughs> um, uh, reason I called, um, I thought Ron Rivera's comments were very telling about uh, Andrew Luck when he made the comment about when he played, about how guys really didn't have a lot of choice. But now that players haven't guaranteed uh, yeah. or guaranteed money, uh, that these guys have options. So I, I thoroughly understand uh, where he's coming from, and I agree with your take 100% on it. Um, but now I think the question comes up again with Jacoby Brissett, and I think one of the things people forget with Brissett is if my memory serves me correctly, he was traded, uh, they shut luck, luck down, and so he came into not the greatest of situations and, and still had a – had a had a a good year, and frankly, a lot of people in NFL have tried to trade for him. Yeah, uh, and you know the Colts have have hung on to him. But my question now is, what is the rationale for teams not signing Kaepernick? Just mm. look at what has happened. You have the situation now in Indianapolis. Uh, I see where the Kansas City Chiefs signed Matt Moore. A career backup that oh, was yeah. out of football last year. Oh man, uh, I, I, I'm up against the clock, Alton, so I have to let you go. But the bottom line, and, and imagine Alton calling at the start of our three-hour show, Darren. I think it would just be three hours <laughs> of Kaepernick-related phone calls. We do know that Colin Kaepernick's body of work is better than most of the backup quarterbacks in the NFL. There are fair questions about Rust after three years away from the NFL, right, or almost that long. So it's, it's a risk-reward type thing. How much do you think he can still play? How much are you avoiding the distraction? How afraid of the president or your season ticket holders are you if you want to re-sign or, or, or get Colin Kaepernick back into the NFL? There's no time to tackle all of that today because we're coming down the stretch next. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the Thanks to Ryan McGee for dropping by. Also, Le Papillon for dropping by. MLB doubleheader among your TV picks tonight. Cardinals Brewers followed by Yankees Mariners, both on ESPN proper. Maria Sharapova against Serena Williams, one of your primetime matchups tonight at the U.S. Open on ESPN 2. Enjoy the games. We hope you're with us noon to 3 tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.